1: For the Cincinnati Reds throughout the offseason, this is the Locked On Reds Podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Carr. And here we go. What's going on, Reds fans? Welcome in to the Locked On Reds Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today on this Thursday. Today we got a special show for you. Later on, some Reds killer of the day. But mostly this show is going to be based on the Locked On Reds line. I always tout it. 513-549-0159. Questions, comments, reactions to what's happening, what's going on on the Locked On Reds line. We've got some stuff I'm going to get to there. But before we get to all of that, make sure you are subscribed on whatever podcasting platform you're listening to right now. Also, follow me on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three Fs and follow the show at Locked On Reds and save the Locked On Reds line number into your phone. I mentioned it just a second ago, 513 549 0159. Also, check out lockedonreds.com. We've got any more content there. Got a blog going on there. Clay Snowden, Dave Pemberton, others from time to time write articles about the Reds and what's going on. But first, I, I, you know what? Before we jump into the Locked On Reds line stuff, let's do some news. News team are still- So really, the only headline of note, and it's actually kind of a big note, is that the Reds have been rumored, reportedly, to be uh, very close to landing free agent reliever Pedro Strope. Now, some of you may remember Pedro Strope. There was a bit of a kerfuffle between him and Yasiel Puig this past season, both of them having unkind things to say about each other. But the fact of the matter is, Pedro Strope is a pretty good middle reliever. He's been, at times, he's been a setup man. I think he even closed a little bit. He was a closer for a little bit when he was in Baltimore, but the dude can pitch out of the bullpen, and he can pitch rather well. In fact, from 2014 through 2018, as a Chicago Cub, his ERA never got higher than three. In fact, the the highest ERA he had as a Cub from that span was 2.91. I mean, that's phenomenal. Now, last year he fell on some hard times and he had an ERA of 4.97 in 41 and two thirds innings pitched, but he still had the strikeout numbers 49 strikeouts in those 41 innings pitched. He's been pretty decent at missing bats in his career in Chicago. The lowest. Uh strikeout per nine total he had was in 2018 where he had 8.6 strikeouts per nine innings. Every other season has been above nine, so he knows how to miss a bat. And bringing him in and adding him to this bullpen, really, I mean, that would almost make the bullpen picture pretty clear. There may only be one or two spots, uh, one or two at the most. I don't even know if there'd be three spots. Uh, up for grabs during spring training if you add Pedro Stroke to the mix. So that just that adds to the depth of this bullpen, and that is something that we continue to say about the Reds is the depth that they have, so much depth. And I absolutely love it. love it. This deal, I mean, it's still it's reported. It was reported On Twitter by Hector Gomez, at HGomez with a Z, 27. He is the sports editor and sports journalist for a Dominican radio station called Z101. I swear to God, I'm smart. But that's actually going to lead us, that, that was really the only news of the day, that's going to lead us into our focus for this episode, which is the Locked On Reds line, where I'm going to look at some text messages, and I've even got a voicemail to throw in here as well. We're going to start out with a few texts, though. This first one comes from Jordan. Jordan said, I was thinking that since the Reds acquired Nick Castellanos and Atlanta acquired Marcel Ozuna, I honestly think, and this is what Jordan's saying, I honestly think looking at both teams, the Reds are slightly better than the Braves. And he kind of breaks down, like, you know, top of the lineup, all this other stuff, but he thinks the Reds have a better pitching staff. And then he asked, What do I think? Do I think the Reds look better than the Braves right now? That's hard to say. I think the Braves are a deep team. They are definitely one of the best teams in the National League. But I do agree with you where I think that the pitching staffs match up very favorably. I think the Reds overall have a better pitching. I really I tell you this though with the Braves. Mike Soroka, that dude that dude could pitch. He was a really good rookie. It'll be interesting to see how his second year goes. But Overall, I think the Reds do have a better pitching staff. It's just, you know, where the lineup is concerned, it's it's hard to hard to say that the Reds have a better lineup when you're staring at Ozzie Albie's, Ronald Acuna Jr. and Freddie Freeman. Those guys are mammoths, like some of the best players in the entire game. Let alone just, you know, this comparison in a vacuum so it's hard for me to say that the reds are better than the braves but it's at least a conversation obviously wouldn't have said anything like this last year but it is definitely a conversation i'm very obviously you know that i'm very excited about this season with the reds it's going to be a great year i firmly believe it and it's funny because um It was pointed out to me by uh, Jake from the Lockdown Bengals podcast. He said that uh, if you look at Keith Law's article in The Athletic, it's kind of sobering. And so I did. I looked at it. And I'm not going to get too far in depth here because I want to spend more time on this on a podcast next week. But I don't agree at all with what Keith Law thinks of the Reds. I respect his opinion. He's very good baseball writer, but at the same token, he was making some points that don't make any sense. I'm very happy with what the Reds have done. I think the Reds have put themselves in a position, kind of like Craig Calcaterra said on the podcast yesterday, they could contend for 90 plus wins and definitely be a favorite to win the NL Central. So I'm right there with you, Jordan. I think that they are in the conversation with the Braves. I don't know that I'd be ready right now to say that I think they're better than the Braves, but I like where they're going. Next uh, text message here. It's actually from an unnamed person, but I like the text. It says, looking at the free agents available, who do you see us getting? Who do you think we need? I say a Cozart reunion would be good for depth at shortstop and Aaron Loop, a lefty reliever, who's had a career 3.45 ERA, and he's only 32. I appreciate the text, unnamed person. This came in uh, Tuesday night, so this was before any news of Pedro Strope landed. I've seen Aaron Loop on some of the free agents list and just kind of dove into him. He's he's an uninspiring reliever. I mean, I'm, it's not to say that Pedro Strope is an inspiring option, but at the same token, I think he's probably better than Aaron Loop. So hopefully they work out a deal with Strope. And on the other end of the spectrum, Zach Kozart reunion, that, that'd be kind of nice. I think I uh, they definitely need... Uh, I think they're definitely looking at shortstop depth there, but I don't know if Cozart is like expecting a major league deal and expecting decent money. He's had health problems over the last couple of years ever since leaving the Reds, so it's possible that they may get him on the cheap, but at the same token... I don't know. I don't think they're going for that. I, I, they had a chance to reunite with Jose Iglesias. They didn't do that. They had a chance to reunite with Yasio Puig. They didn't do that. Uh, Scooter didn't do that. So it's possible th- they're not going to do the whole reuniting thing and go for somebody different. Got another text from an unnamed person. This one says, and it's just a statement, it says, Derek Dietrich as possible second base with Moose at third base if Suarez not ready for the season opener. Uh, I don't know how that would work. Derek Dietrich is not on the team. He is a free agent. He elected free agency after being waived from the 40-man roster, so He's not going to start at second base because he's not on the team. And then this person also says, what about Jankowski? So what about Travis Jankowski? I'm not totally sure, but I I, I think he has options. So he will probably be sent down to AAA as like, you know, outfield depth. Something I can ask Doug Gray on tomorrow's podcast, but I'm pretty sure he's got options. I don't think that they're leaning on him for very much At most, he could be, like, the 13th bat. You know, since we're going to 26-man roster, it's got to be 13-13. and He could possibly be that final bench bat, but I don't know. He's got a lot of competition there. The Reds have a very deep bench, at least uh, the the way that I'm looking at it here. And then uh, one last uh, text message. I'll get to the voicemail on the next time, but, uh, one last text message that we got, this is from Jared He says, if we don't land a shortstop in a trade, is it possible Suarez moves back to short when he's back from his injury? And would it make more sense to move Sinzel or Castellanos to third? And thank you, Jared, for that text. Looking at it, it, If they move Suarez to shortstop, I think they move Moustakis to third base, and then they move Senzel to second. Castellanos defensively cannot play third base. They they moved him in the majors, uh, the Tigers moved him off third base for Jorge Candelario. If that tells you anything, that means that the Reds are not going to move him back to third base and kick somebody like Suarez off third, or you know, not move Moustakas to third. It's it, Castellanos is a outfielder for the rest of his career. I don't see him, and maybe he plays first base. That's about the only place on the infield I think he will play. So I think what may happen with Suarez, if they move him, it would be to shortstop, but I don't think they will. I'd like to see it in a fantasy baseball type scenario I would definitely move him to shortstop because then that gets Senzel to second base and it gets him in the lineup but I do like and shout out to Drew Cook and our friends over at the blog red machine they had an article talking about how these offseason moves have really taken the pressure off of Nixon Zell. He doesn't have to be the guy in center field. He doesn't have to be the guy at second base. He can just kind of grow into his major league career. And especially, you know, recovering from surgery, that's a big deal. The Reds have done a very good job to take pressure off of him. And I could also see why, you know, they're not going to trade him. He's at the low end of his value right now, coming off of the injury and all that stuff. So I don't think uh, as much as it would be nice. I, I would love to see a trade where Nick Senzel gets sent to Los Angeles and we get Corey Seeger or something of that nature. But I think overall, Senzel's going to be a Red, and he's going to be almost like a super utility player. I think the Reds have a lot of those guys, so it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out. But that being said, I'm not super sure with the injury and the fact that the injury is to Suarez's shoulder. I'm not sure that they're going to move him off of third base. Coming up, we have today's Reds killer, but first... Spring training is almost here, which means Cactus League action is forthcoming, and if you're planning to get out to Arizona to watch the Reds and any and all other Cactus League teams, the best way to get out there is visit arizona.com slash spring training. Arizona is the perfect home base for baseball fans because you've got 10 stadiums with 15 major league teams all within a 50-mile radius of Greater Phoenix. So you can get to everything. And on top of that, you've got awesome landscapes. I mean, is known for its outdoor adventures and national parks, lots of great places to explore. But when it comes to the game, I mean, spring training... Everyone is so laid back, you can meet your favorite players, get some autographs, and then enjoy some baseball in some nice warm weather. If you like me and you live in the tri-state area right now, you're freezing your bunions off, head out to Arizona, warm up, and watch some Reds baseball. Best way to do that, visit Arizona.com slash spring Go there and book your spring training excursion today. If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that the Locked On Reds podcast is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Reds fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. And not just any podcast listener, but a locked on podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Reds fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On Podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising, and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On Advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. On this next segment of Red's Killer of the Day, this this is kind of the player that got... Ken and I talking about this whole idea of Reds Killers. And, and like we mentioned before, this isn't necessarily the best hitters against the Reds. It's the, it's the hitters who maybe didn't have that great a career overall, but had Hall of Fame-worthy numbers against the Reds. And this dude just personifies Reds Killer of the Day. We're, we're, you know, let's get into that. If you guys missed the first segment, we go back we talk about the first baseman who killed the Reds. We are talking about Reds killers, and the criteria is not necessarily that they themselves were absolutely amazing players, and they were also amazing against the Reds. We're, we're more or less looking for guys who were almost average Major League Baseball players, but for some reason almost put together a Hall of Fame-worthy career just against The Cincinnati Reds and today we're going to talk about second baseman and who better to do that with I've got my friend Ken your friend Ken from obscure former Reds he's with us today Ken how you doing man
0: hey Jeff thanks for having me back so our second baseman won't surprise anybody it's Bill Hall Um, it seemed like Bill Hall was always getting the big hit and uh actually he was one of the people that that started that prompted me to put together this list he was less than mediocre uh, in his career he put together um uh, a 248 308 436 slash line for a 744 OPS but you put him in the batters box against the reds um, and he turns into 289 368 569 slugging <laughs> for a 938 OPS against the reds for a difference of of 194. Um, That's, he is the flagship, hallmark, prototypical, however you wanna say it, Reds killer. Uh, He just, whatever situation he was in, he would get the big hit um, to beat the Reds. And it was so maddening that, so special shout out to Bill Hall for prompting me to put together this list.
1: He he's an unbelievable player in that I think if you were a fan of any other team, you wouldn't know the name Bill Hall from, you know, Adam. I mean, you, you wouldn't be able to pick him out of the lineup, but most Reds fans, when you say the name Bill Hall, they're like, oh, that guy, that guy. The quintessential Reds killer.
0: It was frustrating. They just couldn't seem to get him out in a big situation. And the numbers, especially that five sixty nine slugging, those numbers just seem to to bear that out. And he had a pretty big sample size. Uh, he came to the plate um, three hundred sixty two times against the Reds. So it th- these isn't just some fluke he had um, that he played a season or two. That's that's a good three months, three to four months of at bats against the Reds.
1: He's also got a special brand of evilness toward the Reds and that most of his career he spent with Milwaukee. And then in 2010, he was traded away from, or 2009, 2009, he was traded away from Milwaukee to Seattle. So it was like best case scenario. Like, Oh, Hey, he's gone. Uh-uh. Back in 2011, he comes back to the NL central with Houston. And it's like, Oh, why You can't get rid of this guy. But Man, looking back on Bill Hall, I just remember him coming to the plate and being like, here we go. It's going to be bad. Like you said, 568 slugging. Bill Hall? Oh, my gosh. That is our second baseman of the Reds killer series. Stay tuned, Reds fans. Next time we will have the third baseman. I about said shortstop. The third baseman or shortstop. Stay tuned. wait for that because I don't even know which position I'm going to choose next time, but tune in next time for the Reds killer of the day. That'll do it for the Thursday edition of the Locked On Reds podcast. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. If you haven't done so hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on, follow me on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three F's and follow the show at Locked on Reds and save that Locked On Reds line number into your phone at 513 549 0159. Continue the conversation about the Reds killers of the day. Hit us, hit, you know, Ken's Twitter handle is at ObscureXReds. Hit us up on Twitter. Let us know if you've got an idea for Reds killer. Remember, it's not necessarily somebody who's just amazing. We're not talking about like Albert Pujols or something like that. We're talking about guys who had average to below average careers overall, but for some reason just murdered the Reds. Continue the conversation on Twitter or at the Locked On Reds line. Also, check out lockdownreds.com for even more content on the blog. That'll do it, though, for the Locked on Reds podcast. My name is Jeff Carr, and I will talk to you all tomorrow.
0: Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon
1: Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.